0: Welcome to the Israel Conversation podcast by Massa Israel Journey. We bring contemporary, challenging, and compelling Israel issues to light in ways that help us stay connected with what's really going on on the ground.
1: I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here with co-host, Liel. How's it going, Liel?
0: Great. How are you? All
1: right. And today we have a very special guest. Miri Eisen is back. But before we introduce her, I just wanted to point out to listeners that we are, as you can see from the... uh, the little image on your downloaded podcast. We are now part of Massa, and that's very exciting, and it means growth and development for the podcast, and we'll keep you uh, filled in on that as we go along. But for now, we're excited.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's new, new, some new changes coming along, but it's it's gonna be great, good expansion.
1: All good stuff, but to prove to you that we're keeping what was good about the podcast along is we've brought back our guest, (laughs) Miri Eisen, who we love to... Uh, have to explain to us when there's real big changes in the region. How you doing, Mary?
2: I'm doing very well. I'm not sure how I should feel. I'm always brought on board when something bad happens, <laughs> but happily, I'm able to help again.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know what? But at those times that we can turn to you to help, give us a sense of what's going on. For me, I actually find that very, like, when I'm anxious about these things and the news is making me uncomfortable even if you sometimes aren't giving us only good news, but you're making it understandable. And 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 that's for me, and I assume for our listeners and students, very, very helpful. So obviously the big change in Afghanistan is with America pulling out seemingly very abruptly and with the Taliban just overnight, it feels like resuming control. It feels like 20 years of American presence coming to an end with things at, just the way they were before. And so that reset, and if you could explain sort of what that means, and I realize this is a big question, but we'll break it down. What does that mean for us here in Israel? Like, what does that mean? What are Israelis thinking about when they see this?
2: So Israel has four land borders. I remind all of our listeners that it's Israel with Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, and Egypt, and of course, those inner lines with the Gaza Strip and Judea and Samaria. Why am I saying that? We don't have a border with Afghanistan, and yet what happened over the last week, week and a half, in Afghanistan does actually have almost a direct impact, and not only an indirect impact. Why does that have to be so? Afghanistan is part of the greater Middle East. When we use the term Middle East, we tend to think of North Africa up to Iraq, since one is North Africa, part of the Middle East. Iraq is clearly part of the Middle East, but when you go further east, you get to Iran. So Iran being part of the Middle East is relatively new for us, but it's old for the arena. Meaning when you're talking about the area that you went through to get from um, Europe or from America across the Mediterranean and you want it to go across to the Far East, when you cross through the Middle East, you were crossing through Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. And then you got to India. And I remind all of us that India is less the India in its present stage used to be with Pakistan and Bangladesh one big unit. So mm-hmm. suddenly Afghanistan is part of the Middle East, meaning already it's something we're looking at. It's Muslim. It's really
1: a European term, then, Middle East. It's Middle East from the perspective of a European traveling.
2: So that we can have a whole session on perspectives (laughs) and Middle Uh, East, let alone Far East or Near East, are all European Western terms who are looking eastward. Do you know anybody from the Far East who would say, hi, I'm from the Far East? (laughs) You know, and in this case, we're talking about the central of Asia. And again, when you think of Asia, you don't think of Israel. But again, go look at a map. I love traveling Mm -hmm. by map. And Israel is the western part of Asia. Think that Turkey is called Little Asia, not Little Europe. Mm -hmm. And Turkey is even further west than us. So again, I'm putting that into the perspective that Afghanistan is part of the overall picture when we're talking about the greater greater Middle East, about the main travel roads. Afghanistan is a Muslim country, overwhelmingly a Sunni Muslim country. We've already tried here and there to talk about the difference between Sunni and Shiite. Afghanistan has an 800-kilometer-long border with Iran. Iran, mm-hmm. 85% Shiite, Afghanistan, 90% Sunni. Ah, already we're inside a world that we understand has implications directly and indirectly for Israel. So that's the beginning of it. Why was the U.S. there yeah. in the first place? Because the um, Afghanistan is an area in between India and Iran. I'm not even saying Pakistan because Pakistan is relatively new, but it, it was an mm-hmm. area that was also with its own language, Muslim in between countries. It's landlocked. It's always been landlocked and it has been
1: and it's different ethnicities It has a lot
2: of ethnicities, but it it has both many, many different tribes. I'm not sure I would use Mm -hmm. the word ethnicities as much as I would Mm -hmm. use the word tribes, even though those are similar things. And it's kind of plop in the middle of Central Asia, and it impacts anybody who wants to go to the Far East. People don't necessarily want to go to Afghanistan, but if you want to go to China, go through Afghanistan. Afghanistan has a border with China. You want to go to India, India and Pakistan, you go through Afghanistan. Afghanistan has a border today with Pakistan. In the past, that was India. And again, I say that because it's this pass-through country. And the last point on this one is that Alexander the Great, this isn't a new concept. Alexander Mm -hmm. the Great died somewhere somewhere probably in Pakistan of today, more a bit further south. But that's the area he was going. You wanted to get to India, you went to those places. And the Soviet Union invaded and conquered Afghanistan towards the end of its being the Soviet Union. It was almost one of the main Certainly on the list of the top issues that brought about the fall of the USSR, of the Soviet Union, of that two bipolar world of, you know, the red world or the free world, all sorts of different words we could call it. And one of the reasons I remember, is,
1: boy, I remember America boycotting the Olympics during uh, Russia's when they really occupied Afghanistan. So
2: they occupied Afghanistan in 1979. And in 1980, the Soviet Union wasn't allowed into Olympics in 1984. The Russians have had a lot of problems over the years with Olympics, yeah. both when they were the well, Soviet too, Union yeah. and today. But why is that connected to today? Because one of the main local, meaning Afghani, speaking one of the different Afghani languages based on those local tribes, very much based within the Sunni Muslim world, one of the main forces that brought about the exit of the Soviet Union from Afghanistan is a force that all of us have heard of over the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. It's called the Taliban. And very similar to other places in the world where we talk about geopolitics and we discover that when you stick your finger in the pie, it doesn't always come out the way you want and it can collapse if it's a souffle. Um, The Taliban, back in the day, the the United States supported the Mujahideen that in time would become the main force. It's a local Afghani force. It's not outside Mm. people who came into Afghanistan. Right. And, and, and we
1: thought we thought i remember thinking and you know part of it's cuz uh, as a teenager i was getting information from rambo movies and james <laughs> bond movies good that source featured the of mujahideen <laughs> that's what i thought what did i know but but the mujahideen we thought was the name of like these afghani freedom fighters we didn't understand that just just a muslim word meaning those who fight in jihad mm-hmm. and that the taliban became the local real identity.
2: The main strong identity, and when they kind of became the main local force, um, their willingness, in the name of a very extreme, in my opinion, perverse way of looking at Islam, but again, each day you another, know, there are different ways of looking at Islam. They ruled in Afghanistan in the harshest of types of Muslim regimes. Because this is not, we always, we've had the conversation. Remember all listeners, Muslim does not mean Arab. The majority of Muslims in the world are not Arabs. The largest Muslim community in the world is in Asia. Not even in Afghanistan. Afghanistan is a little under 50 million people. Pakistan has 200 million Muslims. India has 200 million Muslims. Bangladesh has 200 million Muslims. Indonesia has 200 million Muslims. So these Afghani Muslims, mainly speaking Pashto, which is one of the languages there, when they took over, you know what? I'm looking and thinking, Liel and I would not have had a good life. Your beard would have been way longer than it is right now. And again, think of the last two weeks. We've all been seeing that in social media, in the different photographs of the physical distinction of 24 hours of how immediately Mm -hmm. women became covered in the body covering called the burqa, Mm -hmm. totally from head to toe, totally black, covered because that was what it was like. When did the Taliban-Mujahideen regime end? Um, The Taliban, the Mujahideen, allowed al-Qaeda to... To have their infrastructure where they trained, they trained them, they supplied them with weapons, but they enabled and allowed an Arabic-speaking, different Muslim terror organization, Al-Qaeda, and all of our U.S. listeners, I say Al-Qaeda, you say 9-11. We're at the end of August. It's just about to be... 20 years to Mm 9-11. And here we get into geopolitics. The United States entered and conquered, more or less. It's a very weird sort of way, because the United States never conquered Afghanistan. What they did is they wanted to oust al-Qaeda. And they never defeated the Taliban, the the term of Mujahideen. The Taliban kind of moved away and allowed the United States to take care of al-Qaeda. And that was already in 2001, beginning of 2002.
1: But in a joint NATO, it was an international...
2: International, everybody was together. A lot of British forces, a lot of Dane, Denmark forces. There were NATO forces, Norwegians. I mean, you think of the different NATO forces. Turkey, by the way, a Muslim country, did not have as big a presence in Afghanistan. But Turkey, Hmm. a very dominant player here in the Middle East... From 2001, when the United States invaded to, again, destroy al-Qaeda, that was the premise of their invasion. So we don't call it an occupying force. It was a military force. Um, they never came in and said, and the United States is now running Afghanistan. What they did is they the United States, over the last 20 years, worked with different local leaders. What's a local Afghani leader? Somebody who's the mayor who under the Taliban went backwards because the Taliban came and said, you're living by exceedingly strict, harsh Muslim law. And Afghanistan wasn't like that in the 1970s and 80s and 90s. This is a trend throughout the Middle East. It's funny because I'm looking at Yuli L. and I'm thinking to myself of our listeners and from Massa. Mm -hmm. For you right now, who are finishing high school, You're in the beginning of university. You've gone off to college, okay? Or you're going to go there. For you, five, six years ago, if I had said to you, Islamic Mm -hmm. State, or the Arabic term, Daesh, that was the way we would scare you. But the Taliban were running a very strict Muslim state before Daesh invented itself. And right now, there's actually even a power struggle between a region of the Islamic state, which is in the area next to Iran and Afghanistan, kind of what I call Eastern Iran, Western Afghanistan. On the map doesn't matter, but it was an area where when the Islamic state in two thousand and thirteen and fourteen and fifteen was at the height of its outreach, um, mm-hmm. portions of Afghanistan pledged allegiance to the Islamic State. So the Taliban are part of that, but they preceded mm-hmm. that idea. So aren't we all feeling better now? Something that's similar to the Islamic State, with an exceedingly strict Muslim outlook, within from the time that the United States said, 20 years, let the Afghans run their own life, we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And the United States chose to leave Quickly, I don't have a problem with that choice. There's no good way to do it. We could have the discussion, take the band aid off slowly or quickly. And immediately, all of our listeners there are those who say slowly and there are those who say quickly. There is no correct and incorrect way to do it. There are different opinions. And in this case, the United States said, let's do it quickly, and they left. And the forces that they had built, the infrastructure that the United States had built, mainly a security military infrastructure, did not withstand anything. They, In my military hat, they didn't do anything. And I think it's because they felt that by fighting, they would die. They weren't going to, they just didn't feel, they did not have what I call the oomph. Oomph comes from leadership and they didn't have a local leadership. I mean, they had a force, and the leaders of that force were the Americans that were on the ground. And as soon as the Americans left, the high ranking, the middle, they didn't have the local leadership to say, get up and fight. And the Mujahideen who come with a very strong ideology, they are moved by belief. What can be stronger than moving by this belief? And it is... Very similar to the Islamic State, but it's not like it at all. Um, and why does it connect to Israel is going to be the next thing in that sense to go to go. Because this immediately connects to us.
1: So I, I guess my one question before we get to connect it to Israel is, when you say that it's because of the lack of leadership, it, am I, am I I'm like, yes and, is it also... Like when American Marines gave their life at Guadalcanal to hold back the Japanese because they're protecting the concept of the Japanese being able to get to the American West Coast. They're laying themselves down because they believe in America, the concept of a nation state. Mm -hmm. They see the people in America as their people. They're willing to give their lives to protect this idea of America. Whereas after 20 years, Americans trained these Afghani troops to protect this thing called Afghanistan as an entity. But they – I don't know that the Afghani troops were really – you know that was a concept they were worth. they felt was worth dying for
2: so i love your question and i'm going to do what i always do i'm going to be the talmudic scholar and i'm going to rephrase your question because i don't accept the premise of the question what you right. asked to me betillet bet shamai what you asked mm-hmm. me is a way of phrasing that question who says mm-hmm. that nation states in the western liberal judeo christian right. form— is the way. Okay? There right. there are lots of ways which challenge us Judeo-Christian liberals greatly. Especially in,
1: way.
2: all over the yeah. world. All over the world. We look at these different by the way, not just in in Muslim countries, we're challenged by what China does. What China does we mm-hmm. see as wrong. Okay? And and I say that not because I don't see it as wrong. I am a liberal, you know, Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. Literal woman, but there are different ways of having a communal state. I mean, I'm going to oppose anything that puts women at the bottom of the level, but this is a problem of all of Islam, not of the Taliban and Mujahideen. Because Islam, as a religion, can have An amazingly beautiful interpretation. And if I just want to go to Parashat HaShavuah right now, as I do in Judaism, because right now Mm -hmm. we're in Sefer Devarim, which I always forget how to say in English. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, right, okay? And it's all these laws. And I love Mm -hmm. it as I'm reading it, you know, because in our weekly readings, we're almost towards the end of the Torah right now, right? We're getting near mm-hmm. and I love the way that we read the ones and we go, oh, look how amazing we were 3,500 years ago because we like to skip the next one where we killed uh-huh. everybody else and then you go on to the next <laughs> yeah. one and go, oh, look at how we yeah. treated the POWs and I'm like, yeah, let's skip the one after that where, you know, you can surrender or die, Grab the know? woman, yeah. So, in Islam, they have a religion that just like in Judaism and just like for mm-hmm. that, In monotheistic religions, they have different challenges. And I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I I don't like the interpretation, but my biggest challenge is that throughout Islam, they have not yet accommodated status of women. And that's Mm -hmm. half the population. Um, Judaism has done so. Can I be rude to some of our riddle? You know, Catholicism has not done it either. Okay? Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, not all Jewish groups have either.
2: Right. Okay, but but it's I still do an think issue in the Jewish world. But I agree, there isn't necessarily egalitarian equality. And you're right. Mm-hmm. There, I. You know what? I'm going to agree. There,
1: there are, are portions in some portions of yeah.
2: of Judaism where I, as a woman, am very challenged at the way I mm-hmm. am being cataloged. But yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something. But but you have to remember that Islam is wherever it is, and all the different religions and all the different subgroups are wherever they are. So, so, but how does that address my question? These soldiers, you know, they're 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 Pashtun or Urdu, and, and do they do, do they see giving their life to stop the Taliban from taking over a region as worth sacrificing their lives for just because an American's been telling them for twenty years? Well,
2: Michael, you, your answer's your own question. I think right. we all saw that in the last ten right. days, where they said right. no, but they're not disappearing, mm-hmm. and I right. I wonder in that sense, it's like, so what do you do? Um, do you and this is going to be I'm posing it right now in that direct and indirect co- um, um, implication for us, because I'm going to make it hard for all of our listeners right now. The organization mm-hmm. that is the most similar, similar, to the Taliban is Hamas. Mm-hmm. Hamas is a local Palestinian Muslim group. The Taliban mm-hmm. are a local Afghani Muslim group. Taliban, Hamas, don't say let's kill everybody. They say let's live Mm -hmm. our lives in accordance to the prophet. And the Taliban wanted Afghani Pashto, and Hamas wanted Arabic Palestine in their terms. And Mm -hmm. why is that in the implications? Because the Taliban were before Hamas. okay, Mm -hmm. And they took over from the Russians, from the Soviets... And then they were overthrown by the United States and the United States in the Taliban slash Hamas terms. The United States occupied for 20 years and after 20 years understood the United States that you can't do anything and they'll leave. And Hamas have directly, openly, clearly, from the top to the bottom, including actively firing, celebrated the Taliban's taking over Afghanistan, meaning it gives them hope. It gives them, when they see um, Israel as being the occupying force and they say, see, so with the United States, they're wimps. It only took 20 years and we've had to, it's taking us longer, but we'll get there. So that's Mm -hmm. directly, and add into that, everybody expected me, I think, to say Hezbollah, but Hezbollah does not yet run Lebanon. Hezbollah Mm -hmm. is a local Lebanese Muslim, they're Shiite, but they're Muslim, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and and they're in both the local politics and a terror organization, and they have a vastly stronger um, military capability than Hamas, and for that matter, than the Taliban, okay? Mm -hmm. And yet they haven't taken over Lebanon. So Hamas and Hezbollah also, um, Hassan Nasrallah, Secretary General of Hezbollah, dedicated his weekly sermon to congratulating the Taliban mm-hmm. for taking back Afghanistan for the Afghanis. So that this is an inspiration. Now, that's the one mm-hmm. aspect, is an inspiration. The second aspect is the way that allies, and in this case, strategic mm-hmm. allies of the United States, are viewing the United States. We don't think, I mean, think of us, remember where we started? When I said that Afghanistan is part of the Middle East, even though we don't mm-hmm. think so, but for the Middle Eastern countries, Afghanistan so. is part yeah. of it. So the United States leaving Afghanistan is making a statement. The United States have left Iraq. That's made it, making a statement. Where is the United States now physically with bases inside the Middle East? Not to help the United States, but to help local regimes. And so that's something that all of the countries around are going, hmm, if I'm with the United States, are they going to leave me next? Mm -hmm. Gulf countries are going to ask that. Saudi Arabia is going to ask that. Kuwait is going to ask that. And I remind you that Mm -hmm. Kuwait was conquered by Iraq. International community came together and conquered Kuwait back for the Kuwaitis. That was 30 years ago. That was in 1991. 2001, Al-Qaeda strike on U.S. soil, the United States conquer Afghanistan, as I said before. They come Mm -hmm. into Afghanistan without, but they did and didn't, and try to destroy Al-Qaeda. Well, that's part of the challenge, but it's a question of how you look at that story. Because the United States from 1991 came on in, was much more involved with Iraq, and then was involved Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan And then the second Iraq war, 2003, physically occupied Iraq, handed it over Mm -hmm. to the local Iraqis. One didn't win, okay? And now as it's leaving, you see these toppling back and countries around are going, wow, maybe I should Mm -hmm. put my, um, you know, um, go and butter up to other regional powers and world powers because the United States... They're not reliable, they're going to up and leave. Now, I don't think that about the United States. Having said that, I absolutely hear that from every single country in and around this area that's saying, look at the United States, they're not reliable. At the end, you have to rely on yourselves. Now again, I want to challenge all of our listeners, because Israelis see what happened in Afghanistan. Mm
1: -hmm. And even
2: Israelis are saying, "Mm, strategic Mm -hmm. ally, but we're different Mm -hmm. because we have the same values. We're a different type of system. But I remind all of us that we're in a polarized world. And in that polarized world, different people have different views of what is the state of Israel and who we are, Mm -hmm. let alone of the Israeli Palestinian uh, conflict.
0: Yeah. I actually have a question on that note. Um, and I, it's a little bit – I don't know if it's exactly on this topic, but I noticed that in the media today, several celebrities were calling out President Biden for, for the actions that he took and criticizing him greatly. And it made me wonder um, – it made me wonder about the stance of, um, of the left, we'll say, the American left, in terms of Israel. Because if there's this – cry, like outrage against President Biden and against what he what he did, um, and a great, I think, empathy with the Afghani people, what I'm seeing, at least based on you know, social media posts and Instagram and things like that, um, it makes me wonder if there's maybe going to be some kind of maybe change in terms of how they see Israel. Because if, like you're saying, the Taliban is sort of equivalent to Hamas, and from the left, we always hear such a strong uh, double standard against Israel all the time, so Could it be that there there may be, because of this, something that will potentially shift in the sort of culture, American culture, American zeitgeist in terms of how they relate to Israel in that way?
2: So now we know that Liel is the one who's going to get my, you know, the bucket of cold water Mm -hmm. that I'm going to pour on you and all of the listeners. (laughs) It's not the same. And Mm -hmm. I say it's not the same. I don't think it's the same, let alone people who are going to come from a liberal background. Okay, the struggle- Mm -hmm of Palestinians, not Hamas, of Palestinians for statehood is a huge issue. It has its Mm -hmm. own shelf, okay, of not just literature, but its own place in the world today on the lack of the Arabs of Palestine to achieve their own statehood. And nobody in the world of people Okay, Leil, of, of regular people. I'm not talking statesmen. I'm not talking the leaders. I'm not talking politics mm-hmm. and realpolitik. I'm talking everybody else. They cannot differentiate, which means mm-hmm. that Taliban Afghanistan is Taliban Afghanistan, but that's not mm-hmm. the same as the Palestinians because most people, when you say Hamas, they don't hear Hamas terror organization that calls, you know, that, that does horrific things. What they hear, what kind of goes through their mind, they hear Palestinians, oh, those poor victim Palestinians who are the victims and have been the victims of, you know, horrible Israel for so many years. It's amazing how what people hear is not what you say. I was very mm-hmm. careful with my words. I said Hamas. I did not talk about the Palestinian Authority or the Fatah mm-hmm. Party. And, and again, it's like, I I even to myself will say, so who gets to run Afghanistan? But this Mm -hmm. is that question that goes back to if Liel, and I'm speaking in this case to two women, as opposed to bearded men, the additional person in the room, Mm -hmm. right, okay? If bearded men tell us women that everything we have to do and define it in such a way I'm like, I'm against. What Mm -hmm. do you do if women accept that? Do I sit and say, oh, they just don't understand? Okay, mm-hmm. I, I need, I marry, I'm going to teach them otherwise. They just don't understand. And then you meet women, and again, this is true also within the Jewish Orthodox world, that, that see the, the strength of the position that they have as women in society. That they don't view it as being lesser. Or even mm-hmm. in that differentiation, they accept it as such. And I'm, I'm always very challenged by that. Do I impose mm-hmm. my liberal mm-hmm. values and say my liberal values are the ones that you should have? You just don't understand.
1: Well You have competing liberal values because one of those values is tolerance and respect for yeah. other cultures. But the other is, but it's violating your cultural values. So what's more important?
2: And so when when we look at that, because we have this tendency in the Western liberal world to view the rest of the world through our Western liberal eyes. So I feel sorry for these poor people who want to. And on the other hand, do you understand any of the culture of where we live? But here there's one of those aspects that I especially think that um, it happens with the people who come here on masse who choose to make that choice of coming to Israel for four months, for a year, to try something different. And it doesn't matter if they were connected or not really connected to Israel as they grew up. It doesn't matter if their parents were for their coming on Mossad or not for their mm-hmm. coming on Masa. If they, But when you think about it in that sense, when you come to Israel as a North American Jew, eh, as a Brazilian Jew, as a French Jew, and you come here, mm-hmm. and what's the first thing that we all talk about? The culture shock. That's coming to Israel. We say Mm -hmm. culture shock, and then we talk about the differences and the differences in behavior and the way things are perceived in family. Okay? I come from North America, but I've lived in Israel my whole life. My North American family, they meet like Americans do. What is it? Winter vacation based over Christmas, right? Okay? Everybody Mm -hmm. meets for Thanksgiving. That's a good one because it's secular. But what do they meet? Two, three times a year? If they're not Orthodox Jews, okay, think about it, mm-hmm. and then you think here, okay, because it's Sunday. Remember the beginning of the working day in Israel. I don't know if we're on the same day when we're when we come out, but in Sunday. We're recording Sunday, okay, yeah. right? We record on Sunday, but. You know, on Friday I was with uh, my side of the family, and on Saturday I was with my husband's side of the family, and that's what I do every Shabbat, and it's like a culture shock for North American Jews that who goes to their parents and in-laws every single Shabbat. It's like you move far away to get away from that. They're cultural and and we're in that sense in Israel, very similar to the greater Middle East. We're very tribal, we're very interconnected, we're very family-based, we're very food-based. And that's more like the Middle East. And, and again, Afghanistan is within that. And Islam, let alone the horrific versions of political Islam, like the Islamic State, or the Mujahideen, the, the Taliban, or Hamas for that matter, they're not one-dimensional.
1: Mm-hmm. They
2: actually are very social. They are very oriented
1: well, towards the community. I was really amazed in this round that and I, I don't remember seeing this before that the taliban was doing public relations you know telling western journalists we're going to treat women yeah. well and we're not going to go back to these things now i don't believe them for a second because that's not who they are but the very fact that they felt the need to do public relations to the west i'm used to that outside of the islamist fundamentalist world you know hitler pretended poland invaded him and you know egypt holds elections and you know but but i was not used to the Taliban worrying about how do we present ourselves as progressive? Well, I, I don't know what made that change. Yeah. It's, a,
2: it's an amazing point that you brought up now. Now we're getting the difference between 1991 when mm-hmm. Kuwait right. was conquered or 2001. Oh my God, 9-11. Right. Um, mm-hmm. For all of our listeners, they hadn't yet invented Google. We did not <laughs> yet have social media. Facebook only comes along. Facebook is an idea, meaning any type of social media only start 2006, and six seven. So Taliban mm-hmm. before that didn't have to go out to the world. The world was not out there. Mm-hmm. But now they're online. The entire Arab um, events that went through over a decade, one of the big differences from 2011 to 2020 with what happened, Syria, Iraq. Yemen, what's still happening in that sense out and about us is that the communication world, I can talk to you, not just on a podcast. Everybody can Mm -hmm. go online. The Taliban, are they going to be able to close down? They're not China. They don't know how to do that firewall where in China they close down what you can read. The Taliban don't have that kind of technological capability. So you can try to ignore it, but somebody else is going to be there. So go out and lie. And if there's one thing that we've learned about propaganda is that if you repeat a lie enough, people will believe you. And please don't go to Hitler. and Don't go to the Taliban. Go to anti-vaxxers. Go to conspiracy theorists. Go to challenges that we've had in North America, not in the totally non-democratic world. When it comes to mis disinformation in social media mm-hmm.
1: so you're're you're, you're, you're not optimistic about I mean we've seen these protests these brave a lot of women but also some men stepping up I was just amazed to see them protesting the Taliban and getting into do you, do you do you have any sense of optimism for them no to, I think or, or do you see that no
2: no yeah. they're going to be they in time in its own way one of the things that it does do is that the Taliban have to rule. But I see the Taliban now as being a pretty similar kind of challenge that Saudi Arabia, Iran, or Sudan have. Meaning, they've chosen to take over the country. This time, as opposed to the time before when they took it over from uh, the Soviet Union, they are going to be more accountable to their people. But accountable in accordance to Islamic law. Which means they'll respect women in accordance to Islamic law. Just like they do in Saudi Arabia and Iran. For all of us who feel, oh, poor Afghanis, Mm -hmm. don't you feel sorry for the women of Saudi Arabia? Mm -hmm. Because I do. Or for the women of Mm -hmm. Iran? Because I do. Or several other Asian countries that also are in accordance to Islamic law. That immediately means as a woman.
1: Or Gaza. Mm -hmm.
2: Or the Gaza Strip. Where, again, Mm -hmm. you have that kind of challenge where you have social Mm -hmm. media. The images, the information, they can't close it Mm -hmm. down. So you have to juggle you have to present. It's not just a facade. I do think that mm-hmm. when it will, because the Islamic State was totally based on social media. That's how it recruited. Yeah. That right. was its main platform. It talked yeah. to all of the disenchanted, disenfranchised, um, unhappy youth throughout the Muslim world. And I'll just add in that Afghanistan, almost 50 million people, Half of them are not under the age of 25. They're under the age of 18. Okay. Mm. That's a generation that in that sense lives online. So they're not going to close that down. They're going to recruit through that. You bring them in, you teach people, you educate them. And then the women will understand that that's what's best for them. And the men will understand that that's the way of the world, and education is a very strong tool.
1: So, is that, Miri, as we as we close up, from an Israeli perspective, looking at these events, and as you said, with Rosh Hashanah coming on, what are our what are our reasons for some optimism, in in as this again, it means that means that we, I, I do think it means we can't rely on allies. Like that's, I'm one of those Israelis who looks at this and say, okay, well, the lesson is, we better stay regionally strong, and you know, there's so many reasons to. This has, and, and yeah, as you're saying, this emboldens our nearby, uh, you know, a, opponents. So, so Reasons
2: for optimism. Reason yeah. number one is that Israel is not in the same situation that it was 20 years ago at 9-11 or 30 years ago in the Gulf War. Meaning, in the Gulf War 30 years ago, Israel was mm-hmm. told, sit quiet, don't do anything, you're the ones that'll mm-hmm. mess everything up. Now, we're a year after the Abraham Accords. The Gulf Mm -hmm. countries are totally with with us right now, meaning they feel Mm -hmm. that we are part of their strength. There is a local, regional capability that did not exist not a year ago, let alone Mm -hmm. 20 or 30 years ago. And so as Afghanistan changes right now, there's a new regional budding relationship that makes a huge difference. That's a real reason for optimism. Second one that I'm, I'm going to be hopeful right now for with Rosh Hashanah, and let's talk again, you know, a few months' time, we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. I am thinking, because of social media, that there is a possibility that the Taliban, Mujahideen, will be slightly more accountable to the Afghanis mm-hmm. than they were the last time. Because they live in a world that they know that everybody sees what's going on all the time. They're not going to stop cell phones. They're not going to stop smartphones. They're not going to close down. And that makes me, thats because that is an impact that happened in Saudi Arabia, that Saudi Arabia Mm -hmm. is very gradually opening up, including on the issues of women. And this is an impact also on Iran. Iran and Afghanistan share, as I said before, an 800 kilometer, like an over 500 and something mile border. So I'm going to be mean and say, it's a nice thing when Iran has to look east and not just mm. west. And mm. Afghanistan and the Taliban and the Sunnis, and they this is not necessarily bad news um, in that sense of, of an enemy, which is a very harsh one, that calls for our destruction. And again, this is the regime mm-hmm. in Iran. But this is going to definitely take part of the Iranians' regimes, You know what they're looking around at. And that makes me...
1: The bandwidth is going to be, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. And we can hope that these different things together will enable us to strengthen these local, regional relationships with the Gulf countries, the clandestine one with Saudi Arabia, because it's not above the table, um, perhaps a bit with Turkey, which is so hard right now, but Turkey, NATO, mm-hmm. Afghani refugees. So let's see where that leads us.
1: You know, this you, you, you really... I'm glad I said that at the beginning about how, like, understanding these things makes me feel better, that the, that the anxiety from, you, you see this sort of change and it makes you, but putting it into perspective and then giving real, a real sense of where this could go. It's always, it's super helpful, Miri. And also I would say that in addition to just the, the content of your expertise, you explain it so helpfully. Like, you, you just, I always appreciate that you put things in ways that, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't have to struggle to, you put the pieces together so organized that it makes so much more sense to me.
2: The best so, the best kind of feedback you can get as yeah. an educator. Me who loves to yeah. travel by map, and I have to describe it that
1: way. Yeah, yeah. No, your brain, I guess your brain works that way, and it's super, super helpful as a student. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you on behalf of uh, our listeners.
0: And yeah, thank you. Well, a was pleasure very as, as always. And,
1: and we'll have to have you back for a less uh, upsetting news story. <laughs> we'll sorry, try to find something much more You'll have me back when it's all bad, but I'll
2: take it.
1: Oh, okay, well. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe the Taliban will suddenly become pro-feminist. Let's and be we'll have you back to explain how that happened. <laughs> Worst thing, yeah, that would be great. All right. Thank you so much. You. you don't have to log off, but I'm going to stop the recording because it's the end of the episode. Bye-bye.
0: Massah Israel Journey is dedicated to shaping a promising future for the young Jewish individual, the global Jewish community, and the connection to the state of Israel. Massah offers life-transforming, long-term opportunities in Israel that allows fellows to create their own future. Check out MassahIsrael.org for more info.